We're starting a new series today, a new series called Misconceptions About Following Jesus. And, uh, you know, there's, there are a lot of misconceptions about the Christian faith. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Uh, one of the things that helps, you know, kind of push some of these misconceptions uh, are people that the Bible would call false teachers. And uh, today we might call some of them, not all of them, so I'm not lumping them all together, but we might call some of them TV evangelists. Uh, so uh, there's, there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of, uh, Mixing good ideas with mixing them up with being biblical truths. And, and we don't want to do that. We don't want to fall into that. And, uh, and FYI, I'm not here to be the truth police, uh, but here's what I am here to do. And, and I'm not here to, to, to you know, knock whoever, whatever, um, you know, although I think scripturally I could do that uh, in some way, shapes, and forms. And, and, and inevitably, the truth will do that on its own, and that's why I'm not too worried about doing it myself. Um, but I am here, and part of my calling is to shepherd and lead a group of people to knowing the truth to knowing what Scripture says about certain things, and especially about things that we know are things that are issues within our culture, things that we know are issues within uh, things that are being taught by others or whatever, that are uh, whatever. There, there's, there's, just, there's just so many things. Uh, we want to, you know, with grace, uh, we want to address those things and say, what does Scripture say to that? What, is, what does the Bible say that about that? What's, what's Jesus say uh, to these things? And so uh, that's, that's the point of, of this series. We'll be doing this for several weeks and uh, uh, picking out a few things. And uh, if you've got a Bible and you want to go ahead and get it out, uh, you can get it out and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll be there here in just a little bit. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them and they'll bring you one. Just throw your hand up and let them get you one. Uh, and if you don't own one, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have that uh, and use it. Uh, that's that's uh, God's word. We'd love for him to be able to speak to you through it uh, and you be able to seek him through it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, in this, uh, in this whole thing, uh, you know, what, one, one of the... One of the, like the key, and I just felt like this had to be the one you start with because it just it just seems to be one of the most common things uh, that gets thrown around in Christendom, and 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 that's this saying, and and this saying is said by a lot of people. Most of us have probably said this saying to someone else at some time before, or we've told it to ourselves at some point in time, and and we we have meant well. And, and usually somebody that's saying this does mean well. They don't have any ill will, and they're not trying to say something that's not necessarily biblical or whatever, but without doing so, they are. And it's this. God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. Now, it sounds, it sounds it's a great saying. I mean, it's a, it's a great saying. It's, it sounds good. It's like... Uh, you know, and, and, and even just hearing that that might be a misconception for you, you might be sitting there going, no, wait a minute, Chris. I mean, God loves me, and I know that he's not going to give me more than I can handle. Well, I, I, I want to see what Scripture says about it. If you'll just go there with me, that's what we're going to do today. Uh, and so this is one of those things that I think has been turned into a, 
Now, what people think is a biblical truth, it, it's a biblical myth is what it is. Uh, and uh, you know, for us this morning, I think it's important for us to understand why it might not be a biblical truth. And so uh, you know, if you look at Jesus, you know, Jesus, the night before he was crucified, or uh, you know, the night before he was led away, we have Jesus going to the garden and praying, and he's crying out to the Father. I don't know if you remember this or not. Uh, Matthew, and you can turn there if you want to. You don't have to. Matthew 26, 38, we see him say to the Father, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus is crying out to the Father, and he's crying out to the Father in such a way that, I mean, it's, it's, it's like he's saying, I need you. I need you. And I think, that, I think that that's important for us to see that Jesus needed the Father. Jesus was leaning on the Father. And that's, that's a great example for us today because I think at the end of the day, we need to recognize that we also need the Father. We also need Jesus. And so uh, this morning, as we kind of go through this, I, I, hope that, I hope that some of that resonates. I think part of what's happened is we live in a day and age when, you know, you kind of got all these different factions of people. You've got, you know, the, the, the people that, you know, they won't do anything for themselves. Then you got the people that are, you know, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps type people and all that. And, and, and obviously it's a good thing to, you know, want to uh, better life and, and do more for yourself and try to overcome and all those things. But the saying, God won't give you any more than you can handle, and the idea that we can overcome these things on our own is a, what I just said it is, a very self-centered way of us looking at the things that we are dealt in life. That's not what God wants us to do. God doesn't say to us in Scripture, if you will just look deep down inside, you will be able to overcome all the things this world. We never see anything like that in Scripture. You never see any kind of a New Age idea of like, you know, you know, all you have all the power that you need within. No, we don't see that. We see we're sinners. <laughs> we're sinners. We're jacked up. And what? We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need salvation. We need the Father. We need his plan. We need what he came up with for us. Not because we deserve it. We don't deserve it. Our, our sin, the, the punishment for our sin is death. I mean, like all of the, all of the junk that we've done in this life, the, the, the punishment for that sin is death. God stepped in on our behalf, not because we deserved it, but because he loved us and said, I'm going to send my son for you that he might die because he lived the perfect life, making him the perfect sacrifice, making him the lamb that would die, giving his life, taking the death that we deserve. Folks, that's grace. It's undeserved. That's what God's done for us. Jesus needed the Father, and so do we. So the idea that there might be some power within, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not, that's not on us. 
That's not on us. In fact, uh, as, and we'll talk about suffering and some things here in just a minute. As we see through this stuff, I think that you'll see with me, there is a purpose for us to need God. There's a purpose for things like suffering. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I believe, is the, the verse that people misconstrue into being God won't give you more than you can handle. Okay? Here's, here's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We'll leave that up there for you. So this sounds like you may read that right now and go, but Chris, that's saying that God won't give you any more than you can handle. And I'm saying, no, that's not what it's saying. (laughs) You see, it's talking about temptation here. This is specifically a passage where Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking specifically about temptation. You read that again. Let's read that again together. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, okay? And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. What's it say? He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. It does not say he will not have you suffer more than you can handle. He says it will not, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it that you may be able to endure it. So God is saying that when temptation comes, we can say no to it, okay? Now this is, this is for a believer. If you've trusted in Christ, you have the ability to say no to sin. I don't know if you realize this or not, but something amazing happened if you've trusted in Christ to be your savior, something amazing happened. Not only were you forgiven of your sin, but Christ defeated that sin for you. And, he, and you now have the gift of the Holy Spirit living within you, and you have the ability to say no to sin. Sin no longer makes you a slave. Now, you may choose to be a slave of it, and, 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 if, and if you're like me on just about any day of the week, you know we're struggling with something. We're struggling with some sin in our life, And we're thinking, man, I just can't seem to kick this sin or whatever. But it it is good for us to be reminded that Jesus has overcome that. Jesus has overcome all sin for us, and we have the ability to say no to it. That's what this is talking about. There is no temptation that's so great. It says God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So he's not saying I'm taking temptation away. He's saying it's still going to be there, but it no longer has power over you. Jesus has power over it, okay? So Jesus is the trump card to that temptation. And that's good for us to hear because Satan wants you to believe and he wants me to believe that the sin that is in my life, the sin that is in your life, is sin that you will never overcome, that you will never get past it. It will always haunt you. And, and, and let me tell you what, it might haunt you, 
but it doesn't have to own you, okay? What God has done, he has done that we might be free from the shackles of sin. So in this passage, I think what's happened over the years is people have taken this passage and they say, you know, God, you know, God doesn't want you to endure things, and you know, He's gonna, He's gonna make you, you know, just, you know, He's He's not gonna give any more, and he, you can handle. It does, but it doesn't say that. It says God's faithful. It says He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. There, there's nothing in that statement that says God is not going to allow you to suffer any more than you can handle. We don't see that in that statement. And, that, and that, that may be a Debbie Downer for you right now, but don't let it be, because uh, there's good that comes out of this, okay? There's good that comes out of this. God, and this is a great statement, so I hope, I hope you hear it, and, and we're going to talk about it. God will give us more than we can handle. God will give us more than we can handle. And you're like, Chris, what, what are you talking about? I mean... God loves me, Chris. You don't, you're, you've lost your mind. You've turned into one of those people on TV. No, I'm trying to refute some of those things and trying to help us to see a truth about who God is and who we are as his children. 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5 says this in verse 6. It says, humble yourselves Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So before, before you get in your head painting a picture of God, that God, man, God must really not like me. God's allowing me to go through this stuff. God must not like me. By the way, God doesn't punish us with suffering. That's, that's, we, we don't, that's, not, that's not a biblical thing. I had somebody recently say something, you, you know, do you think it's because we've done things wrong and God's trying to punish us right now? That's not the way it works. We'll deal with that on another week. Look at that. It said in verse, let's read this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that you at the proper time he may exalt you. And then it goes on and says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You see that? That's not a God that doesn't love us. That's not a God that's not there for us. We've got to see what the truth is in this. First of all, I think it's an amazing thing that God's not going to allow temptation to come at us that we, that we can't say no to. Okay. Now, we have to be able to have the clarity to be able to see when temptation is coming to say no to it. Now, and, and, and let's face it, sometimes we're not good at that. Why? Because we're sinners, okay? So it's this constant reminder of something. Do you know what it is? That we need Jesus. We need Jesus. So, so, here's, so here's, where this, here's, here's where the plane starts to land right here. It's that, it's that word need. It's that word need. It's, it's important for us to recognize that we have needs. Okay, so I'll tell you a little story. So most of you know that I, I love old cars, and I've got a couple that I've had forever and stuff. And, and uh, I'll just be honest with you. I'm, I am masquerading 
as a mechanic who looks like they might know what they're doing, and most of the time I do not. I, I own a lot of tools. I know how to do certain things, but at the end of the day, when these things start having issues, a lot of the time I'm just going, I don't know what to do with this. So the, the Mustang that I keep in my basement um, that I, I, I enjoy this thing. It's, it's, it's the thing that I own that if, if there's something I enjoy and it's supposed to be kind of my wind down deal, it's this, it's this automobile. It's just fun to drive. It's probably 500 horse and a five speed just full of fun, you know, and, um, and just because, you know, you get to be the local preacher and your church is next to city hall and you know, all the police, they even let you get away with stuff you shouldn't. Um, especially when the mayor's going to lunch with you or something, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, who else gets to do a burnout in front of like, you know, your, you know, the cops up here, you know, so, but anyway, I digress. I don't know why I'm telling you that. So anyway, here lately, the car has been setting because it's had an issue. It's been going down the road and it's cutting out and it's, you know, it's just acting crazy. And so I've quit driving it because I don't want to get stranded or I don't want, to, don't want to mess something up or whatever. And so I've left the car sitting there and I've, we've monkeyed around. We've replaced several little things or whatever. Fast forward to, I mean, this has been probably six months, you know. And so fast forward to last weekend, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom kind of between services or whatever and going in there to, you know, do what you do and like seeing some guys and we're giving high fives and stuff in there because that's what, that's what guys do in the bathroom. We give high fives. It looks like a scene out of Top Gun or something, you know. We're just like, what's up, man? Yeah, you know. We're jumping up and everything. The music's playing in the background. Um, and I don't know what the ladies do. Y'all all go in there together at the same time and stay for an hour. Um, but uh, so I'm in there and, and one of the guys, Jerry from church here, he's like, hey, how, you know, what's going on? How's your car doing? And I was like, it's making a great doorstop. And he was like, he's like, really? What's going on with it? I was like, man, it's, it's still got some issue. I think it's in the, in, in the ignition. The car's got an electronic ignition on it. I know nothing about electronic ignitions. He happens to know quite a bit about them. It's fooled a lot with them and whatnot. And he was like, well, hey, you know, what, what you got going on tomorrow? And I was like, well, I mean, it's Labor Day. Uh, I was going to do some work. Uh, <laughs> You know, and you know, I was like, but you know, I'll be, I'll be around the house. I'm gonna be around the house. Well, what if I came? What if I come by tomorrow, and uh, and look at it? And I was like, man, that'd be, that'd be great. You know, and I know he knows, you know, a lot about him. He's like, hey, you know, probably take us like an hour to figure it out. And I'm like, an hour? Like really? Like I've gone six months. You know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, I've gone six months. Like in an hour, we might figure this out. Like, Okay, awesome. You know, so sure enough, he comes over and uh, and we mess with this thing. We find a couple things and do a couple things, and lo and behold, take the thing down the street and it's running right. It's not cutting out. I'm just like, man, this is awesome. This is amazing. You know, I think it's important for us to realize that at times in life, we need others. We have to humble ourselves away from our pride and quit staring at the big red doorstops in our life and going, you know, well, I, that was fun to drive six months ago and then just walk away. We got to quit doing that. We, we, we've, got, we've got doorstops in our life that are actually important that we need help overcoming, but it means swallowing pride and humbling ourselves 
and not just going to others, which we're called to community, and we know that through Scripture, and, and hence why microchurches are so important to us, but that we would go where? To God himself. It says, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Why? Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He wants us to bring all of that stuff to him. So, you, so I, want, I want you to see, I want you to see clearly with me why this is important for us to understand why God won't give you any more than you can handle is a bad thing for us to say. And even though we, we mean well when we're saying it, usually when somebody's suffering and we're like, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this, but you know God won't give you any more than you can handle, don't tell them that. Because in, in, in essence, you're saying, you know, you really don't need God right now. Just you got everything you need right here. No, that's, that's the point. We need God. He gives us more than we can handle because he knows we need him. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us anchored. I mean, you, you just think about that for a minute. I mean, you just think about like how big, how big of a, of a piece of truth that is for us today. That for us to recognize and see our need for the Lord Psalm 121.2 says, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I am so thankful for Jerry helping me fix my car. And as, and as thankful as I am for that, how thankful can I be to the creator of the universe that he wants me to bring all of my anxieties and lay it at his feet and say, God, I can't do this, but I know you can. And that's where we've got to be. Because if we get into this mode of like, you know, well, I just need to, I'm just going to have to do better. And, you know, I'm just going to have to swallow, you know, you know, the, I just got to work harder. And, you know, I mean, it's all this stuff that we do sometimes that the world's like, oh, no, you, you'll be all right. You know, just, you know, you, you'll be okay. You can do it. You got everything inside that you need. No. We need the Father. We need what he's done for us. We need Jesus. And, and folks, let me say this, especially to believers. We need Jesus as bad today as we did the day that he saved us. We didn't just need him the day he saved us. We need him every stinking day. To, because why? Because we're sinners. Imagine if God made this in such a way where we didn't need him after we came to Jesus. Oh, I got saved, so I'm good now. I'm just going to go do whatever. I don't need a church. I don't need to be in community with other people. I just go live my life and do whatever I want to do. We would be so far off the tracks doing who knows what. God knew that we needed to be tied to him. And, and listen, it's not because God has some huge ego. It's because he knows what's best for us 
as the creator, he knows what's best for us. He loves us. He loves us. He sent his son to die for us, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. He's saying, bring me the suffering. Bring me what you're going through. Put that on me. Come to me. Run to me. Quit trying to do it on your own. You need me. I'm your fixer, not you. Suffering is a part of life. And and, and it's unfortunate in some ways. But I'll tell you, I've, I've come to have an appreciation for suffering over time. It doesn't mean that I always like it, okay? I don't think any of us go, well, you know, I just love suffering. That's awesome stuff. Well, let me just tell you, you're going to suffer at some point in life. If you're not suffering now, just wait, it's coming, okay? It's kind of like the Tennessee weather thing. So um, suffering is a part of life, but here's the beauty of suffering is that God can redeem it for his glory. God can redeem it for his glory. There's some of you sitting in here right now who have suffered in such ways that I, I, can't, I can't possibly look at you and say, I know what you've been through. I, I, don't, I don't ever try to be that guy, especially as a pastor, and I've seen some pastors that do that, and they mean well. They're not meaning bad, but they're like, oh, I understand. I, you may tell me something at some point in time, and I may look at you and go, I can't even imagine I can't even imagine what that's like to go through because that's truth. But here's also the truth of that statement. What you have been through that I have not been through allows you the opportunity to minister to people that are never going to listen to me. You see, God wants to take those things, those awful things, and redeem them that he might be glorified, that others might know Jesus because they know you. And there's going to be people in your life that they're going to have gone through similar things or maybe they're going through it right now. And you're able to step in and say, I understand. I can't do that. I can't do that, but you can. And we've all got those things in our life that we've been through. God's allowed us to to endure some of these things that we've gone through, but it would be wasted if it wasn't for God's glory for us to use that now. Let let us not waste our suffering. Let's let God use it. As painful as it was or may even still be, let's let God begin to use it in the lives of others. May God use us, speak through us, love others through us. We see Paul. We see Paul, 2 Corinthians 12. We see Paul. And Paul was like manly man, warrior, like Christian killer at one point in time, okay? So we're not talking about like, you know, Paul like dresses unicorns or something here. I mean, this is like Paul is a dude's dude, all right? <clears throat> and, and here he's talking about pain and suffering that he's enduring and, and, I, and I'm going to listen to that because of the kind of guy that he is. And it says this, it says, verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. It's talking about a thorn in his flesh. We don't, gener- we don't actually know exactly what this 
was. He's describing it as a thorn, but it may have been an illness or something. We don't know. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. When we suffer, we generally get weak. God, God intervenes at that point if we allow him to. And his power takes over to get us through these things. Again, this is a, this is a God who loves us, cares for us. He goes on and says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, he's saying, I'll, I'll, I'll boast, I'll tell the world of the things I am not good at. I will tell the world of, the, of my suffering and that, you know, that this isn't me right now, that this is God working through me, Christ working through me. It says, verse 10, why? It says, for the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. I mean, if we were like passing this out today, like, hey, are you, you guys good with this? We're going to give some of this out today. This is not the list that we want to get, right? Insults, weaknesses, hardships, persecutions, sign me up. Man, that sounds fantastical, you know? But he goes on, he says, why? He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, sometimes we rely so much on who we are and our strengths that we could make our whole life about ourselves and about what we're good at. And God's over here going, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. In fact, guess what? I want to work through some of that stuff you're not good at. Because that's the reminder for us, it's him, not us. Him working, not us. And at the end of the day, when this happens, and this is why Paul is like, I want to boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, is he is is saying, I want people to see the Lord at work in me. Not because he's just proud at not being good at something or being weak at something, but he wants people to see God at work. That is for the glory of God. Folks, that's what our life's for. That's why we were created, was to give God glory. So you see how big a deal it is for us to understand a small biblical truth or not truth, of something like God won't give you any more than you can handle. No, God will give you more than you can handle, and it's because he wants us to lean on him, to need him, to humble ourselves before him and let him lead us in this life. God is sovereign over all things. And right down to the moment that we would realize that we needed a Savior, that we were sinners. You see, even the gospel is based around this understanding that we can't do it on our own. 
the gospel itself helps us to see that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And we can't handle it. We need Jesus. Maybe that's new to you. Maybe, you, maybe you've never thought through that before. Maybe you've never heard it explained that way before. Maybe you've never really thought, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've got sin. That sin breaks the heart of God. I need, I need something. I need something to save me. I need something to get rid of the sin. Well, that's what God did. That he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die the death that we deserved for our sin. That if we would trust in him, that we would believe in him, that we might be saved. But you've got to humble yourself first, right? You've got to realize there's a doorstop in life that's in your way and you can't overcome it yourself and you need help. Jesus is that help. The good news is not that God won't give us more than we can handle. It's that he won't give us more than he can handle. God's the one that's got this. He's the one that can overcome whatever suffering we may endure in this life. And we need we need things that we can't handle. We need him to overcome things that we can't handle. And that's a good thing for us because it points us back to God. So maybe today, the question for you is, what am I trying to do on my own? What, you know, it's such a simple question. But man, it really brings out things in our life right now. What a simple thing. I'll give you an example and we'll close with this. My oldest, Gracie, has been doing ballet for some time, and she, um, uh, her dance teachers actually come to us and said, you know, hey, you know, we, I think, I think it might be good if she were to try out uh, for this dance thing. And so this came about this week, and we were talking about it, and, and last night we sat down as a family, and the decision had to be made by today, by this morning, actually. And we'd just been kind of so busy running around, we just hadn't really sat down and talked. So we sat down last night, we prayed about it, and I looked at Gracie and I said, said, honey, is this, a, is this something you really want to do? We kind of tell our kids, pick one thing and we'll support you in that thing. If it's a passion, we want to you know, encourage you and support you and that kind of thing. And so um, she said, you know, I think, I think it is. And then we talked for a little while about all the sacrifices that would have to be made for this to happen, like with our schedule, some money, uh, definitely time, huge part of that, and even some traveling back and forth to Nashville that we're not used to doing a couple, few times a week and different things. And so long story short, we get to the end of that discussion, and she goes, well, I probably just don't need to do it. And I said, well, honey, and she said, it, that just sounds too hard. I said, well, honey, I said, you know, most things in life that are worth doing are usually hard. I was like, that's just kind of the way it is. I said, I said, so I'm not, we're not trying to deter you from it. We just want you to know what's at stake to kind of count the cost here of, of, of what this looks like. And if you think it's something you're supposed to do, then we'd like to try to, try to do it. And, and so we prayed as a family last night. We sat down, the three of us, and we, we prayed and just said, God, lead us in this decision and lead Gracie in this decision. 
And so we told her, you know, pray, pray over the night and sleep on it, and, and this morning we'll make a decision. You know, I think it's important for us to recognize the importance of us seeking the Lord about these things in our lives and for us to not show the world a people who have it all together, but a people who need their Savior to lead them through this life. And that includes our kids. That includes people that God's placed around us, that they would know we're a people who are trying our best. We're not perfect. We're still sinners. But, all, but we're trying our best to try to follow the Lord. Follow the Lord means that we're trying to seek Him and see what He would have us to do. Today, I would encourage you, don't fall into the trap of believing that God won't give you more than you can handle. Just recognize that He will, but it's for our good. And it's so that it leads us back to Him that we would trust in Him, that we would seek Him. And that He wants to redeem those awful things that have happened in this life and use them for His glory. I pray that He would. Let's pray together. God, this morning, I just pray for anyone that hasn't trusted in You to be their Savior. God, I pray that You would help them to see how much you love them and care for them, even in spite of all the junk that they may have in their life. God, that you sent Jesus for them as much as anyone. God, I pray, Lord, that you would work in their lives, lead them, guide them, speak to their hearts, save them, bring them to you, to give them a purpose for this life. God, I, I pray for those of us that are believers, God, I pray that you would lead us, that we would be good at being led by you. God, that we would quit trying to do it on our own. Lord, help us in that, lead us in that. Convict our hearts and speak to us. Lord, thank you for your son. We ask all this in his name. Amen.